Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. This is Julie Henricus, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, with just a quick reminder. The Eleanor Taylor Bland Crime Fiction Writers of Color Award submissions are due by March 31st. This $2,000 grant is for emerging crime writers of color. You do not have to be a Sisters in Crime member to apply for it. Please send it to friends, apply yourself, let people know about this tremendous opportunity. Thanks. Hello, this is Julie Henricus, the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I'm delighted to welcome Anne Laughlin to the podcast today. Anne is the author of seven novels published by Bold Strokes Books. Her work has won four Goldie Awards and been shortlisted three times for a Lammy Award. In addition to writing novels, Anne reviews books for the Gay and Lesbian Review and the Lambda Literary Review. She's a board member of Mystery Writers of America Midwest and a member of MWA's Queer Advisory Board. She's attended many writing residencies, including those at Ragdale and Vermont Studio Center. She's currently working on historical fiction set in Berlin before and during World War II, and that will be fun to talk about. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Julie. I'm really delighted to be here. Thank you for asking. Well, I'm I can't wait to have this conversation, and I'm going to start it the way I always start these conversations. When did you say to yourself, "I want to write a book"? Hmm. Well, I was um, a late bloomer. I didn't start writing until I was fifty, and. I'm, you know, I have my theories about what the impetus was at that time. And partly it was, I had a very creative mother. She was a successful oil painter. And there was something about the largeness of her personality that I think yeah. once she passed away, God love her, it freed me up in some way to mm. tap on my creative self. And um, so there was that. And then there was, um, I read a series of books that just introduced the question to me, can I write, I I think I can write as well as that, you know, maybe even (laughs) a little better. And I'm going to try to find out. And um, I just sat down and wrote a couple of short stories, submitted those and those were taken right away. And so, wow. I had the motivation and I just, I sat down and wrote my very first novel just front to back in two or three months. I was on fire. Yeah. Had you taken creative writing courses before or, um, you know, how did you learn the craft? Well, I had not taken any creative writing classes. I think the only way I got by on craft issues is just being a voracious reader. So mm-hmm. there's something about that that sinks in. But I didn't start taking classes until a little later. And that's when I started, I think, to really improve as a writer. I don't think you can get around taking classes. It's just so important. And um, so 
one of the teachers I had asked me to be in a writing group with him and another woman. And that's maybe five or six years ago, maybe longer. And this is a very rigorous writing group. And I quickly learned that um, a manuscript that I've written and written the end is far, far from being done. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of naive in those first few novels. It was just I was writing one a year and off they went. You know, I'd, I'd fix typos and then off it went. And now uh, it's a much different story. And And my writing shows it. Yeah. Um, it, I love that you you came to this a little bit later, um, having been a voracious reader and, and that journey. I think that's a really great thing for people to hear, that it's never too late and that you can, mm-hmm. you know, come to it at any point. Um, yeah. Did you, was it always going to be mysteries for you or were there, you know, other, are there other genres that you were exploring or you continue sure. to explore? Uh, well, we'll talk about the Berlin book, I guess, a little later, but th- that's a departure for me because mm-hmm. this is more like a historic, I guess you could call it a historical thriller, but it's definitely different than the mystery genre. But I, you know, I had read a number of mysteries before I started writing and I liked them. It wasn't my first choice in reading. I mean, I, I think literary fiction is what I gravitate toward. So it's a, I think it was a matter of, I think I can do this. I didn't mm-hmm. have enough confidence in my writing and probably still don't to write a literary novel, but I think you can do a, so much with a mystery novel um, that, you know, I, I just found that that was a, a, a vast area to explore. Um, and it, you know, I think I was from the beginning, um, a fairly adept plotter. And so the mystery genre really ties into that. Yeah. And it, what is your process like, uh, you know, as you developed, you, you're an adept plotter. Do you plot the book beforehand or do you, um, pants, but you have a good sense of structure and everything else? Yeah, or the hybrid. Most people are a hybrid, but hybrid, but veer yes. towards one or the other. Yeah, I uh, I was definitely a panster. My first few books, um, and with the first book, I was such a panster that I got toward the end of the novel and I had no idea who did it. I mean, it was panic time, and then it the answer just dropped you know, like a coin in a slot, thank God. But that um, that experience taught me that I need to at least have tent poles in mind of where mm-hmm. the plot is going. And from that time, I've become more and more of a plotter, an outliner. So I'm even using new software with this book to help with um, plotting. It's called Plotter. And yeah. it's, it's a great visual for me. And the novel I'm working on, I think, just demands a more careful outline. Well, we'll talk about historical fiction because that is a whole a whole different um, thing. Um, mm-hmm. But do you tend to write series, standalones? You know, do you still write mm-hmm. short stories? What, how, what do you write? I uh, I write all standalones. Um, my the. Novel I just finished, Olive Street House, is 
could be the first of a series. I kind of set it up that way, but I've never done series before. I don't know. I think I always just wanted to explore new things with each with yeah. each novel. Um, maybe to my detriment, I think series are maybe more publishable in the end, but um, it's just not the route I took. Um, so the standalones all tackled, you know, some different topics. Like one, my protagonist had bipolar disorder, so I got mm-hmm. to really just, you know, really delve into that and uh, enrich that character with some of those tensions. And um, so, yeah, like that. And so you work, um, themes are obviously a big part of of what you're writing as well. I mean, if you're, you know, you're tackling different subjects. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, that one was very clearly a, th- a theme. Um, I, you know, I, I try to set out what the character needs to do to go through a character arc. And then mm-hmm. that's, kind of my where my theme lies is in is in that and so the obstacles you put forth really define that character i find it interesting so standalones do you are are they suspense are they thrillers are they traditional mysteries are they mashups yeah i i have had um a police procedural a private investigator um an amateur sleuth Ah. and I don't, and somebody who was, oh, in my most recent novel, she's the um, resident director of a halfway house in Chicago. So she deals with all these young women who are newly sober. She happens to be an ex-cop, so she has some investigative chops. Um, But but largely, it's not really about her cop career it's it's about what her new life so that that's a definitely a theme in that book and that and that is that the book that you think could be a series if you wanted to keep it moving yeah Uh it sounds it It yeah she um at at the end of the book she transitions into being a private investigator so i set the stage for the next the next book well i think that we need more women private investigator novels as well i mean there's there's not a lot of those or or when people are looking for comps and they're you're sending stuff out it's hard to find current ones and so so that's a wonderful wonderful place to write as well right yeah um yeah i i have i always have trouble with that comp thing you know um yeah well i was going to say that i'm shopping that book now and so i had to pick some comps and just so happened that one of the comps i picked the agent who has the novel now loves her books so i actually hit on a comp that was pertinent and i think that was just luck yeah or divine intervention i mean it could be a lot of different things um for folks listening a comp is a comparative title um sort of when you're selling your house they look for comparable houses um but it is hard to come up with especially if you're writing in a different genres or your your characters have different personalities or or things you know that you want to highlight in your series mm-hmm. but it's really important to try and find yeah. some so that people can understand 
how it can be marketed, you know, where it fits yeah. in the bookshelf and everything yeah. else. So if you were going to um, give a, a comp for your, your, you know, your books or this most recent mm-hmm. one, you know, how would you define them? Well, one comp I used was um, uh, Kristen LaPianca. I'm not yeah. sure if you're, yeah. I used her books as a comp because they were private investigators, um, kind of, you know, similar quirky character. And she also write, you know, she also writes uh, bis- bisexual themes. And of course, I write from a gay perspective. So I use mm-hmm. that as a comp as well. Yeah, she's a great, um, she's got a great series and, and is a wonderful yeah. writer. Um, she's yeah. been, she, I did a podcast interview with her a while back. She's, uh, oh, yeah. she's terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's also a great way for people as you're you're thinking about your own writing to explore what's out there and and you know sort of understand what's selling but you can also be forging new paths and and talking about new topics or 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 approaching a whole bunch of different topics in different ways. Um right. so that's I think exciting. Publishers yeah, publishers certainly look for that that you know something a little new. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the character or the the setup. Yeah. And I feel like now perhaps um, it's not perfect and there's work to be done, but there's also an opportunity for um, marginalized voices in different ways to have a platform or to, to be able to discover readers or audiences um, more so than it has been in the past. Do you agree with that? I agree that it's more so than it has been in the past. Um, I I think it's still, in terms of publishing in the mainstream, I think, you know, it's a narrow path to get in there. And I think um, LGBTQ novels, it's a little narrower. Yeah. Because it's all about the sales and, you know, it's, you know, gay people are a smaller margin of uh, the reading public. So I think they extrapolate that therefore they wouldn't sell as many books, which is crazy from my perspective, because I've been reading straight books my whole life. That's exactly right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, sure, this one story, I I had uh, an agent a few years ago for my book, A Date to Die. And she told I originally wrote it uh, with a lesbian protagonist, and she told me to write it straight. Now, this was probably 2018 or so. Hmm. And I don't know if she'd give that same advice now, but it uh it really hit me, you know, yeah. that that um my point of view is not a valued one, is essentially. Yeah. 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 Um and that that's uncomfortable but i think what's one of the things with the queer advisory board that we're doing is trying to increase visibility of gay crime fiction and you know normalize it it's you know that it's it's a mystery like any other mystery it just happens to have gay characters and it's such a you know 2018 was only 5 years ago mm-hmm. i mean that's you know, there have been changed and I don't know that you'd get the same advice now but you may and that's sort of the point of all of this is that Mm -hmm. we all need to read 
different perspectives in our own. We need to read deeply. We need to support. We need to encourage so that um, we can have more diverse literature and and more diverse characters to get to know. Um, because yeah, as you I'm, said, we, we you know we tend to read books in the you know mainstream that are not our our you know points of view and with comfort so you know for lbgtqia authors for uh writers of color for disabled writers we we should do the same thing i mean it doesn't have to be something um right you know a good book is a good book yeah you know they should all be on the same shelf as my absolutely belief. yeah and you know all my books at the local bookstore and, you know, the lesbian mystery and romance section. And I mean, I, there's two schools of thought on that. I mean, they're not going to put my books on two separate areas of the bookstore. So I think that one is selected so that people looking for queer literature know where to go. But I think it, it uh, narrows your ability to reach a wider audience. It does. And wouldn't it be nice if they would shelf it in both places? Yes. <laughs> so people could just get two copies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's an important conversation, I think, for us all to have and to keep having. Um, and things are, as we talked about, maybe better, but not good. So I think that that's uh, that's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Throughout the throughout the whole throughout the right. genre. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with Olive Street House, which I'm just starting to shop, um, which definitely has a lesbian protagonist. And right now is the time that supposedly, you know, the gates are open for queer writers. So, you know, we'll see. I, You know, it has to be a great book, whether I'm gay or yeah. not, but yeah, to get accepted. But um, I do think it's been a factor. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. yeah. That's tough. It's really tough. Um, do you? Um, well, that's publishing, writing. So they're two different journeys. I talk about that a lot. And the publishing mm -hmm. journey is out of our control in so many ways. But your writing journey is your own. And in your bio, you talk about having done a couple of writing residencies, which is a yeah. big deal. How has that helped you? Um, move forward in your craft and also just in everything, because in a residency, you have so much opportunity to meet other people and, and do mm -hmm. all kinds of um, other support systems for your writerly being. Yes. Well, I've been to many residencies and um, earlier on, they were all residencies that had other artists and writers there. And that was very enriching. If not a little, you know, you get to the dining hall at dinner time it's a little bit like feeling like you're in high school <laughs> so, so there's that so there's that aspect to it but it's an and it's an environment that of course grows I mean just encourages you to work hard and work better so Vermont Studio Center for instance I have a, a room in a nice old house a comfortable room in a comfortable house but I also had a writing studio and mm. I know it was ideal. And so I would get up every morning like I was going to work and go over to the writing studio. And I've always written well at these residencies. I can work for more hours than I can at home. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's just 
And there's so many hours in the day when you're not doing anything else. So, (laughs) yeah. So I get a lot done and I just find the experience really um, something I do for myself to encourage my writing and to pat myself on the back for it because it's it's a treat to do something like that the best uh, I may be the best residency I was on was um uh just last June I got I got accepted into a residency in Wyoming right in the um right in the mountains and it was so drop dead gorgeous and I had my own house a car (laughs) it was the works and wow. I write for hours every day and then go hiking. So that was great. Oh, that's lovely. And just to be able to focus on that. And, you know, when you're at home, the dishes always need to be done or yes. <laughs> yeah. something else when you're on a residency. What a, yeah. and also to see beautiful places and be able to oh, yeah. be there. I've, I've been, I've been lucky. Yeah. And I won't, I mean, when I sit down to write, in the morning, um, I'll write for four, you know, three or four hours, maybe, but that's interrupted time. I mean, I get up and get coffee, or I check my email, you know, and I then I go back, and it's just away and back, away and back, and that tends to obviously in a residency not be quite so disruptive. Um, so you you pantsed at the beginning, you plot more now. Plotter is an interesting program. We're actually going to do a, a webinar at Sisters in Crime oh. um, with the folks who created it because it is oh. something that people, I think it could be helpful even if you're a pantser to look at, yes. at you know, <laughs> here's yeah. where I need to have some action and do I. Yeah. Um, what else, how do you start? With character, do you start with a story? How do you start a standalone? Um, often it's the story, which I think shows that I'm a mystery writer as opposed to a literary writer who might start more with character. Um, I'll get an idea. Um, like uh, I read a read somewhere about a, a woman who's uh, was accused of mur- murdering her lover and she was acquitted and I or she was convicted and I just thought what if she was acquitted what what could happen with all of that and I just built the story from there but then you have to very carefully mold your character mm-hmm. to not support this plot but to lead the plot mm-hmm. and um so they go hand in hand but I'll I'll say that a story probably comes into my mind first. And do you sit with it for a while? I mean, do you can do you work on two projects at once? Are you finishing mm. one and the next idea? Or do you how did uh you know because generating ideas is um can be it's interesting. I, I find it interesting to talk to people about it, you know, because it can mm-hmm. come from nowhere. It can come from reading an article as you did. Um, mm-hmm. Some people need to take a break between projects. Some people can go right into the next one. How does that right. work for you? Well, I'll tell you, if I'm not working on a book, I feel a little deflated. I mean, it's just, um, it's an anchor in my life. And um, so I feel, yeah, a little at sea when I don't have a book in process. So I usually do have one in process. So for instance, I just finished Owl Street House and I had been, I'd always wanted to write a 
books set in the World War II era. So that mm -hmm. idea has been percolating for a long time. And I just decided now was the time to do it. Um, so this it's going to take a long time to write this book, I, I think. Yeah. I can't I can't write creatively write two things at once. I mean, I, I write reviews and I write articles and stuff like that when I'm working on a book, but um, I can't write a short story while I'm writing a novel. Yeah, you I can't write a short story anyway. <laughs> right, it's a that's a different a different mm -hmm. different skill set. And once you've gotten the novel world, you know it's it's hard to go back yeah. to getting it down to 5,000 words, right? Yes, right, right. <laughs> so the historical is um, so much work. All novels are work, for sure, sure. But the historical accuracy that people demand when they're reading historical fiction is daunting. Um, uh, but that's part of, that's part of the pack that you're making with your readers is that mm -hmm. you know you're not you're making up some stuff but it's all based on fact it's faction sort of yeah. um berlin before and during world war ii is a is a tricky place and time i would amend that just to say it's going to be 1928 and 1934 so it's going to be before the war why then well partly because berlin in that they had this kind of golden era of 1923 to 1929 when there was so much, we've all heard about the cultural Berlin of that time, the cabarets, the openness, and it was a time of plenty for uh, queer people. I mean, there were, one of the statistics I came across that just floored me was during that time, there were 50 5 lesbian bars in Berlin. I mean, wow. 50. <laughs> it's, just wow. incredible. it's incredible. So that, that points to what the era was like. So I have a character who arrives in Berlin, and she discovers this and discovers herself. And I just want to kind of show the contrast between that openness and then we shift to 1933 after Hitler's taken over mm -hmm. and the contrast is stark. Yeah. And then she'll start working in the resistance. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then I'll have some through line between the two, the two periods, but it was wow. mostly in some ways just wanting to write about an extraordinary period, not just, about Nazis, but about uh, queer people. And mm -hmm. I don't think there's ever been anything like that since. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, is it is there enough research for you to be able to find um, on the time period? Mm, God, there's so much. It's just, <laughs> I mean, I've been reading for a couple months now, just, you know, every day taking notes as I read these books and um, there's still plenty to read. So I don't know. I've written the first three chapters. I just need to do some more research before going on, but I do think I've gotten a wealth of detail that's going to be very valuable and a good sense of the history of the time so that I can, you know, sprinkle that stuff in as well. I'd love to, I might be going to Berlin, but it won't be until September. So have you been can, there before? I have not. Uh, no. 
Yeah. It's a it's a wonderful city. And um the East and West Berlin, um, you know, East Berlin is still has a feeling that it, you know, because it till the wall came down was in a different place. Um, so that yeah. you'll have fun <laughs> exploring, yeah. you know, and, oh, and I can't wait. getting a sense. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I was only there for a couple of days, but it's a, a city I would love to go back to. It's a really yeah. great place. And um, it's a different city than, uh, you know, it was the, the city was leveled in yeah. the war. Uh, so it's a, it, it's a much different city now. Yeah. Well, and people are writing about World War II for good reason right now. I mean, one, that generation is leaving us. Um, mm-hmm. so we're we're we gotta remember. Yeah. Um, but two, there's so many things that are coming up that are echoing that time, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And and I think we all need to think about that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Are you finding that in your research? There there are some moments you're you're just recognizing things and it's just well, the you know the uh, move to fascism in that country, of course, makes me think of kind of the authoritarian leanings of some of our politicians, and you know how close we kind of have gotten to uh, a, you know a much more restrictive um, yeah. country. But you know, our, I think our constitution is strong and for instance in berlin at that time the weimar republic was not strong at all and i think just much more susceptible Mm -hmm. but it does bring it to mind absolutely yeah yeah of course when i think of that period of time i always think of the musical cabaret and you know oh i just watched it again (laughs) (laughs) great movie i'd forgotten how good it is yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and and but difficult, um, you know. And yeah, um, recent uh, recent director um, on the stage version um, uh, changed the ending a bit so that the um, MC is put in in a concentration camp at the end. Oh wow! And it was just uh, devastating, but also you know, yeah. there you go. So I mean, yeah, it's. Great musical, that doesn't, yeah. That doesn't tiptoe around the the concentration camp thing the way the the cabaret does. In yes, some ways. Yeah. yes. Well, I feel mm-hmm. like you know now. Then they did they tiptoed around perhaps, but now you know to make it different too. When you're doing mm-hmm. a revival, it's like, why are you reviving the show? Yeah. Let's let's talk about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get this right. out there. Um, so writing advice wise, what's the best piece and the worst piece of writing advice you've gotten or, you know, if you, I'm sure you give advice to, I know you've mentored folks um, with Sisters mm-hmm. in Crime. So, but what's the best and the worst piece of writing advice you got when you started out? Um, the best piece of advice I've gotten is very brief and that is butt in chair. And without that, nothing happens. So I've, I'm fairly disciplined, and when I feel I'm not fairly disciplined, I literally say, but in chair. Um, and from there, all the magic happens. So that probably was the best advice. And the worst advice I already mentioned was about the, the agent who tell, told me to write straight. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was the personally the worst advice yeah. I've gotten 
Um, The other best advice I've gotten is to, you know, to rework your manuscript um, a lot before sending it out. Yeah. Yeah. It strikes me in talking to you that being willing to be vulnerable at 50 to embark on something that you're not you're not sure you're going to be able to do I mean you get an inkling like but you know Mm -hmm. I'm sure once you started writing the novel you realize it's a lot harder than it looks Mm -hmm. what do you what would you tell people who are thinking at midlife or at a point where they realize I will regret it if I don't try Mm -hmm. um, to be vulnerable enough to do the work and realize it's not going to be good at the beginning. Right. <laughs> the best advice I can give is is to take classes because, you know, at the introductory level, you're with other people who are in the same kind of scary spot of, uh, and, you know, as you say, being vulnerable and getting used to the really pretty hard in the beginning um, thing of, of having feedback given to you for what you've written and uh you know it's best to start building your craft from the very beginning which I didn't do and to thicken your skin because without feedback you're just not going to improve right yeah yeah so um so you know just starting out with um as many you know with a good foundation I think um is important but even if you just start writing at home, um, you know, writing a short story at home and you don't know how good it is, um, you know, just do it. It's just, that's the only thing I can say is that you just have to push yourself. And if you're too afraid to show that story to somebody, write another one. It's mm-hmm. going to be better than the first one. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, in my case, I got, very positive feedback right away. And, you know, I'm as egotistical as the next writer that that, you know, motivated me to continue. Um, And, you know, if you, I suppose if you're really terrible, it's best to know that. (laughs) You you know, but, but, you know, there's a writer in all of us. And I think the thing is, you have to be gentle with yourself, confident that you can get better and willing to hear back about your work. Yeah, that's great advice. I will. I, I also think um, for writers, you can explore different different types of writing, right? Some people mm-hmm. may be better at short stories, some people better at novels, some people better at plays, some people better mm-hmm. at screenplays. I mean, there's, right. um, if as you said, there's a storyteller in all of us, um, yeah. but how you tell that story is up to, you know, up to you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of screenplays, I wanted to mention that uh, someone wrote a screenplay of my novel, Money Creek, <laughs> and she's chopping it now. So. You know, I would be, you could knock me over with a feather if this goes anywhere, but that's been an interesting experience. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Did did she reach out to you and say, I'd like to do this? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's changed. They they have to, the book has to be so condensed. 
Yes. Because they can, it's like 114 pages of script is what they're working with. So a lot got cut. She changed the ending, which I'm not sure I totally agree with. Um, but, you know, the thing with these screenplays, are it's just a template because they'll be changed so much That's in right. the production process if it ever gets to that point. Yeah. But, um, and I also think because... My my character in that book is a little difficult because she's uh, addict alcoholic and she doesn't act, you know, in always the mo- the best ways. And you know, she gets more lovable as it goes on. But it's a cha- you know, it's a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think in in the book, I'm able to work with that and describe Claire in ways that soften her character. In the screenplay, I don't see that happening as much. Mm-hmm. And that worries me. Yeah. And did you participate in writing or just, um, you know, did you participate in the process at all with the screenwriter? Yeah. Um, she. We would have conferences where I give my opinion. I didn't edit, you know, or, mm-hmm. or do anything specific because that's, you know, it's her baby, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a few discussions where we disagreed, you know, on things. And, um, I, you know, my my position really was to let her do what she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, if, it, if it's not an embarrassment to me, then, you know, she's she's the screenwriter and knows how knows better than I. But, yeah, there were definitely conferences. Well, it's so interesting that you said that the screenplay is just a template because that goes back to talking about writing and how your first draft is just the beginning. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, an agent or an editor may buy the book, but it doesn't mean they're not going to change it. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's all a collaborative process once it's out of your hands. I'm a little nervous about that. If I if I you know do get an agent for Olive Street House and and there's going to be massive rewrites probably at that stage, let alone if it gets bought by a publisher, then you've got those rounds with an editor. Yeah. So that I think that can test the metal of a writer. Mm-hmm. It's where you have to become really professional, mm-hmm. as opposed you know because it's going to be exasperating and. And just have to do it. And you have to know what you're going to fight for and what you're going to listen yes. to, because there are times when you can say, no, I'm not yeah. going to oh, change yeah. that. Um, but yeah. there are other times when they may know better, you know, yeah. what's going to sell or, or yeah. you know, what's out there. Um, yeah, it's humbling. I mean, it's it's wonderful, but it's humbling. Yeah. My, uh, my writing group mate. Um, the the he got an agent and the revisions are so enervating. I mean, there's one massive change after another. And you know, at a certain point you think, why did you like the book in the first place? <laughs> Is it the agent or the editor who's sending those revisions? The agent. Uh, it's not even been yeah. 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 Well, it's um yeah, and that's part of the process too, because um, much as we want 
something, maybe, and I'm not saying this is the case there, but maybe, you know, you get to a point where even as desperately as you've wanted to work with an agent or get an agent, you may say, this isn't working for me, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, With Bold Strokes books, um, the editing process is a little lighter, um, which is one reason I really am glad that I learned to work with my drafts over and over. Um, And they're a direct submission company, so I don't have to have an agent to to work with them. So, you know, those two editing things that you could have on the mainstream aren't necessarily true with an indie press and yeah. yeah. Well, and, but even in the, in people who are traditionally published, I mean, need to, depending on what the publishing house is or what the contracts like, I mean, the, you know, hire outside editors or be part of that process to, to make sure your book is as good as it can get before mm-hmm. you send it out there. I mean, it's, it's, um, gone are the days <laughs> where, mm-hmm. you know, people would take a thousand page draft and help the writer hone it. I mean, now it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you gotta give them something that's pretty polished to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently judging a first novel contest. And that's been informative in, you know, in, in that way to the different states these manuscripts are in. And wow. yeah, that's been fun. Is it full manuscripts or 25 pages or? Full, man, full manuscripts. I wow. over like 65 of them. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. That's been a, that's, Yeah. Exactly. I've been reading a lot lately. <laughs> and as I mean, I think that this is something that because people will enter contests and want feedback from judges. And it's important to hear, you know, somebody's reading 65 novels. They're not going to get feedback on 65 novels. I mean, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's great to be of service and to help um to help do those sister in crime has a few different awards and we, we would be in trouble without um, our volunteer judges, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I really believe in giving back to the community um, in a large way. This is why I serve on some committees and um, I'm doing, I'm co-hosting a panel uh, in early February of queer crime queer crime writers and we're going to discuss what some of what we've been we're discussing earlier um for mwa and yeah just in the mentoring is i love doing that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i'll look into more of it with sisters in crime <laughs> um <clears throat> you've been generous talking about your publishing journey and what you're doing what has surprised you most about the publishing side of writing I don't think that I've been you know I've been with the same publisher for years now um and I'm trying to remember back in the day what would what was surprising to me and I actually can't come up with anything I'm in terms of traditional publishing mainstream publishing I you know I am I, I always knew it would be tough. I am surprised by how tough it is mm-hmm. to get a book accepted. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 
um, so it seems to me that books are being published all over the place. But you know, for those there are there's underneath a hundred thousand writers trying to get into the top yeah. of that pyramid. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, I think if I do go that route, um, there'll be quite a few surprises in store for me. Yeah. The editing process, probably most of all. <laughs> Well, and I think it's an interesting time because there's so many routes that we can all take. Um, but, you know, exploring them all and and sort of seeing what it is, is also a, a wonderful thing to do for yourself and for your career. Yeah. Right? You mean like indie press versus? Yeah, you can indie press or you can self-publish, you know, indie, completely indie, or you can go to small presses or you can, you know, work mm -hmm. with other friends and create an imprint. I mean, there's so many ways of doing this right. um, or go the agent and traditional publishing route. Um, but it's kind of a nice thing that these days it's not only that. I mean, it's it can oh, be other things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that writer who is just starting out, midlife or not, um, you know, they can see their name in print on a book if, yeah. if they want to. I mean, there's not a question about that. There's a certainty that they can um, yeah. if they self-publish. And that's huge, I think. Yeah. 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 But that also gets into the have to understand the business and, and do all the do all that work of the editing and the covers and the blurbs yes. and the summaries yeah. all yourself. Um, yes. And that's challenging. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot because it is a business. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, you're working on the Berlin book. Do you think that that's going to just be the, not just, but that's going to be the focus while you're, you're querying agents or um, do you think that there might be, you know, will you, think about maybe taking a break and writing a, you know, sequel or, or mm -hmm. how's well, that, that working? Yeah. That's going to be interesting. If I do sell the book, you know, I suppose I will have to write a sequel. Um, so I would probably put the Berlin book aside and, and do that. Just, you know, it, the business of publishing, right. You know, that's, right. that's the book that's needed next. Um, but I, you know, I I am all about Berlin right now. You know, everything I read, like I read nonfiction during the day and at night I read World War II novels. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, I'm sure I'm becoming a bore with people as I said, did you know? <laughs> as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, right. But I have started actually writing it. So that's exciting. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I, I'm a little, I, my book is with an agent right now on exclusive. And to tell you the truth, I'm a little scattered as yeah. I wait, wait for that. Um, but yes, it's all Berlin. It's and all will Berlin. be for the next probably two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as we talked about, the, the research alone is, um, is a lot, oh. Never mind the writing. Right. <laughs> I kind of worried that another World War II book would just, you know, who needs another World War II book, right? Because there's so much out there, but there's so much out there because it's seemingly a bottomless, or, you know, desire to read about World War II. It, yeah, it yeah. doesn't seem to exhaust itself. And we're coming up to the, you know, 
century of so many of these things happening that I, I, um, mm-hmm. I do think it's a time that many of us had a relative who served or, you know, stories from people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that will be, you know, we're moving generations, but, yeah. but there are people within a generation who will, you know, oh yeah, your grandfather or your great-grandfather, you know, sure. I'll tell my nieces, your great-grandfather served in World War II, yeah. um, you know, and another great-grandfather served in World War One. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot to talk about, but I think that that's, it can store, it's still a oral history for a lot of people Yeah, to tell yeah. those stories, you know? And there's so many aspects to it that really, this it's limitless the stories you can tell yeah mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. um well i wish you well on that and um wish you well on the um submission and i i thank you for the conversation um which i'm sure is going to inspire some folks to to start i mean you got to start <laughs> yeah you just have to you just button chair right yeah yeah <laughs> you know, just yeah. sit down and um and you know the being gentle with yourself is so key to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, really enjoyed our conversation very much. Well, I did too, Anne, and it was lovely to uh, meet you via Zoom. And hopefully, we'll meet at a conference or an event at some point. I, I hope so. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.